If you want to prepare in your Bible, we can in Jeremiah 29. Uh, if you want to know the first text where we're going. We've been teaching for the last couple of weeks uh, on this new series, I Love My Church. I love His church, my church, and, and talking about what this really means. And so, um, why do I love my church? Well, we, we, we talked in series lesson number one, because it's God-built. It's God-built. And then last week, we talked about reason I love my church is because it's prayerful and it's spirit-filled. I can't imagine going to a church that is not spirit-filled. I cannot imagine going to a church that is not spirit-filled. I thank God to be a part of a powerful, Holy Ghost-filled church. Somebody just say amen on this Bible study. So, lesson three tonight. I love my church because my church is on a mission. That's what we're going to teach you about tonight. His church is a missional church. It has purpose. How many would agree before we even get started, the church is not meant simply to exist. But it's meant to fulfill His mission. And uh, I'm very excited about where we're getting to now in this series. And uh, so this is what I would start with tonight. Our introductory slide is to let you know what I believe you already do, but I want you to hear it from me. God is leading us to a greater effectiveness in His kingdom and greater influence and evangelism in our community. I believe that's what He's leading us to. I believe that's what His mission is for Calvary right now. And I want to flesh that out very lightly at the beginning. He wants us to be effective in His kingdom. When we pray, Brother Kilman, we expect something to happen. We do not do, this portion that you just did right here, we do not do that simply because it's our tradition or custom. We weren't in here last night. Those that showed up were here for Tuesday night prayer. There was a powerful move of the Holy Ghost in our Tuesday night prayer. We were not doing this, Brother Sleva, just because... Wasn't there a beautiful presence of God met us here last night? We weren't doing that because it's just custom for us. But He wants us to be more effective in His kingdom. And we don't know how to do that without being tied to what was last week. Prayerful and Spirit-filled. But if I am connected to be effective in His kingdom, then it should be giving me greater influence and evangelism is how that happens really in our community. Somebody repeat after me. I want to be a great influencer. Say it again. I want to be a great influencer. And I will tell you right now very openly, that's God's will for your life. As a, member of, as a member of Calvary Tabernacle, he wants you to have great influence on people you come in contact with. Amen? I don't want to embarrass them. I'm so glad to see Brother and Sister Ingram really had battled sickness. I'm so glad to see you back in the house of the Lord tonight. Love and appreciate them. We're on a journey that's been divinely appointed. He has a plan for us. With a certain destination, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us there is an expected end. God is not confused when He thinks about the future of Calvary. He is not confused 
when he thinks about what he wants us to accomplish. It's not our job to tell God what he wants to do. It would be not only arrogant, it would be ridiculous for us to try to tell God what he wants to happen. But rather it's for us to get in line biblically and get in the vein of what the Spirit is doing and make sure that we recognize what his desire for the church is. And we really can get that from Scripture. God has always had a plan or a mission. That mission would encompass all of time and eternity beyond. This world is not our final resting place. This is a small pilgrim moment. The one who described himself as in Revelations chapter 22 verse 13, he said, I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. He's not being redundant, he's being clear. Okay? Letting us to understand. Here's what I believe. I believe there was a plan for the end when there was a plan for the beginning. There's an intentional plan for this. He's the one about whom Isaiah would write in Isaiah 46 and 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. This omniscient God who calls things that are not as though they were, Romans chapter 4, verse 17, you can find that if you want to highlight it, before the beginning of time, carefully laid out the intricate details of his mission and fashioned a, what we could call, a masterpiece plan, a beautiful picture of what that accomplished mission would produce. So what was he after? What was he doing? Matthew 25, 34 says his kingdom was prepared from the foundation of the world. John 17, 24, he loved before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4, he chose us, the church, before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. Anybody that would ever try to introduce the concept that Christ lost at Calvary is absolutely erroneous of the power of Scripture. It was always His plan. The enemy never won. Didn't even win around. Everything was intentional. It was all in the Logos or the thought, the plan, the mission of God was there. God's mission began with man. Little crowd participation. What was the first man's name? That's right. You follow its path through the course of human history from Adam and Eve forward. On the pages of Holy Scripture, you find that the lives of those who were touched, that were touched by the, by the movement of God's mission. For instance, in the Old Testament, we think about Noah who found grace and God saved his family through the ark. When you look at the plan of the ark, it does not look like the grace of God. Unless you look at the story of Noah specifically and recognize that because he found grace. That's what brings us to the understanding, I don't need to be in the majority to be right. I don't live to public opinion because public opinion... Well, don't even have to finish. That was kind of fun to let you finish that yourself. Some of you finished it a little more angry than others, but 
Abraham, how about him? He was faithful. And what did God do? He fulfilled his promise. Joseph, he remembered his dreams and God remembered Joseph. Moses, he was a friend of God, led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was all a part of the ultimate mission and plan of God. This type and shadow of what was coming. The leading of God's people out of Egypt towards a promised land. We see the shadow of that which was to come through the giving of the law and the construction of the tabernacle that took place in the wilderness. And the mission continued to move on through taskmasters. Do you remember in in Egypt when the Israelites were afflicted? The Bible says uh, they said above them taskmasters and the more they afflicted them, the more they grew. Because God's people have always been on a mission. The mission moved on. You follow it through the lives of the judges and the kings and the prophets until finally we see this like the mission had come to a, it seems like the the mission has come to a screeching halt here during this time of, of silence that theologians like to talk about and argue a little bit about. When it seemed like the mission was all but dead and gone, it, it, it reintroduces itself. And we find out he was never stopped all along. He was never stopped all along. There were still men. There were still women. There were still believers. Even in the darkest of times, there have always been and will always be believers that just march on with the mission. Isn't that wonderful? Think about the the reality of uh, when it begins to really move forward. A little town called Bethlehem gets quite the introduction, don't they? John chapter 1 verse 14, that word, that logos, that, that, that invisible God was made into flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world, what? Gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's go on to verse 17 if we can, if we have it. And I don't know if I put it in there, so I apologize if I didn't. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but what? That the world through Him. That's always been His mission. It's it's always been His mission. God was manifest in the flesh. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was not a simple part of the Godhead. He was not a third in the Trinity. He was God manifest in flesh. He was Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Jehovah of the Old Testament. In his first public message, Jesus really gave his mission statement. You can look at it there in Luke chapter 4. Verses 17 to 19, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If you go through and read it and he closes the book, this is a really interesting dynamic in that multitude. And I don't have time to thoroughly flesh it out, so forgive me, but it's an incredible homework assignment for you to take a look at. 
But he is putting that mission on display. Which leads me to our second slide. His mission never wavered. We need to know that. Because we got to get in line with that. His mission never wavered. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. We read it a minute ago. John 3, 17. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Let me pause here and say this. The blood of Jesus Christ is still enough for anybody. I know I'm just teaching, but i got to pause and get a little preacher in me right now and tell you it's enough for anybody. Drug addict, it's enough. Prodigal, enough. Doesn't matter. It's enough. Just before he laid down his life on the cross, he says to Pilate, John 18, 37, To this end was was I born, for this cause came I into the world. What was he saying? This is all part of the plan. You can't can't kill me anyway. All history will forever record that I give up the ghost. I'm going to slap you on my way out. After the cross and the resurrection, before his ascension, Jesus goes on, he begins to speak. Matthew 28. And it would lead to this. This is the third thing. And I, I want to say this even before I go there. So his mission's never wavered. And this is my third point really here as, as we get into the meat of tonight. His mission must be our mission. It's got to be. Brother Massengale, if I have a mission that is contrary to his mission, then I am not truly following Christ. It is a dichotomy to say that you're a Christian, but your mission is more self-serving than it is serving Him. I don't even like the terminology when people say, well, this is my ministry. You don't have a ministry. I don't have a ministry. Only thing I've got is what He's given me. Hmm, okay, I got to My mission, it's got to be His mission. Vice versa, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and he spake to them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What's he say here? Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Verse 19. Go ye, therefore. I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we skip over, Brother Grayson, the reality that the most impressive and powerful thing that the earth has ever got a glimpse of, this power of God, He took and put into the hands of the church. Sister Sipes, this is the greatest thing that's ever going to happen. And he said, here, I'm going to tell you who I trust with it. I trust the church with it. Brother Jordan, what weightiness it is to know that he told us, go ye therefore. This is up to you. Well, was that just for the disciples? 
Aren't you a disciple? Aren't we meant to be? Following and growing? This is the commission for the church. Somebody say, my church is on a mission. Mm. Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. And some of the people you're going to preach to are closer to creature. Ah. Uh. But he died for them. I pulled through, a, I pulled through a, a, um, a place. This was almost probably close to two years ago now. I pulled through a, a restaurant. I was getting a coffee. Pulled through a Starbucks. I was getting a coffee. Sorry for anybody that's anti-Starbucks or you think it's bitter or you don't like it. We'll talk about coffee later. But I, I pulled through, and I'm going to be honest with you, and I don't mean this to be insulting. I am not sure the gender of the individual who handed me the cup of coffee. I don't, mean this to, I'm not, I don't mean this to be humorous, but I understand. It's where we're living. And I pulled away, and I was trying to rack my, my, my brain, Brother Brown. I was asking myself, was that a boy or a girl? And I felt the Lord check me and say, it doesn't matter. I died for him either way. I was so concerned. I was ready to cast judgment, and he was trying to give grace. Everybody, you get a chance to tell them about the goodness of God, tell them about the goodness of God. Everybody, you get a chance to tell them that He's worthy, tell them He's worthy. Every person, you get a chance to tell them that He will save them and free them and deliver them and lift them up and bring them out of... How many believe He brings out of darkness and into His marvelous light? Mm, my church is on a mission. It's on a mission to be filled full of people that didn't always look saved. I like to have a whole, sec a whole section of used-to-be drunks. Come on now. A whole section. I think it's good that we recognize who we're reaching for. Because the truth is, how many of you would be real nervous if we could put all your used-to-be sins on the over? <laughs> how many of you know you'd just crawl under the pew if we put all your sins on... All your history got up there. You'd be looking around. We didn't put a name. We just put your stuff. You'd be looking around like, I don't know. You'd be crawling under the pew. You know why? We can't do that because even God don't see that. Once he covered it in the blood, he doesn't see it. And the truth is, if he did it for us, ladies and gentlemen, he can do it for every person in our neighborhood, every person in our family, every person in the greater Indianapolis. He's always been about this mission. And we got to be about this mission. That's, I love my church because I love his church, and his church is on a mission. The church that was born in the upper room of Acts chapter 2 did not stay in the upper room. At some point, you grow out of the upper room. They got themselves intoxicated enough that they spilled out into the street. They got full enough of the Spirit to actually be accused of it. Just chew on that for a second. In spite of opposition and persecution, the early church was on a mission. 
in spite of punishment and imprisonment, the early church was on a mission. You know when Paul was in prison, they did not pray for Paul's release of prison. Their great concern was how does the gospel continue to go forward. Read through it. Take a look at it. They, yeah, they didn't want him in prison, but they were worried about how does the gospel continue to spread. They were consumed with it. Even in the face of death, they were, Brother Lopez, on a mission. Word began to spread. They begin to take what they had received in an upper room. They shared it in the streets of Jerusalem. Persecution comes. Travel through Acts chapter 9. Take a look at it. The gospel spreads forward. Acts 2, 41 and 47. Those that gladly received his word, they were baptized the same day. There's added 3,000 souls. Verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. I want that kind of church. I want you to have to watch us putting on Facebook and social media. It's Monday, just baptized a couple more. It's Tuesday, we just baptized a couple more in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Wednesday night, well, it's just Bible study. Yeah, but we taught Bible studies today, and we're baptizing people in the name of Jesus, and somebody got the Holy Ghost. I'm going to just address something we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with something right now with these masks. We're having a hard time with people getting the Holy Ghost because of these masks right now. I curse that to hell, and I pray for God to take care of this thing. I'm asking for God to help us take care of this. I don't want a 10-cent mask to take away an eternal promise. Why? My church... This church is on a mission. We're on a mission. Acts 4.4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and the number of men was about 5,000. Well, we can't have 5,000. But we, ought, we better be reaching for them. I promise you, I will, I will lose more sweat than I'll know how to contain. I'll probably, we have to have a bunch of people preaching. But I guarantee you, if we could get 5,000 in here on Sundays, we'll figure out how to have enough services to just make it happen. Oh, come on. I believe in big dreaming. I think we ought to have campuses. I'm, I'm just talking while I'm talking. I'm just going to tell you. I think we need to have churches all over Indianapolis. I think we ought to have it in every corridor and every community. If there's a community, there ought to be an apostolic church that's preaching Jesus' name. I'm not trying to excite you. I'm just excited. I just believe in this. I just love His church. And His church is on a mission. I want to be a book of Acts church. Acts 5.14 Believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes when's the last time we were a part of a baptismal service where somebody said how many we just multitudes I've never had that most people I've ever baptized on one Sunday morning was 26 that was too that was not enough I could count them I know you understand a little bit of what I'm saying is tongue-in-cheek but but oh how I long for that I long for that where It's just expected. We can never get to the place where repentance, baptism, or Holy Ghost infilling is the exception to the rule. Not for a church that's on a mission. Acts 6-7, And the word of God increased, and the number of His disciples multiplied 
in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Think about that. That's a lesson in and of itself. His disciples didn't grow. They multiplied. And the priests were obedient to the faith. Think about the historical conversions of Acts. Acts 8, Samaritans, Ethiopian eunuch. Acts 9, the apostle Paul. Oh, what a fun story. What a great narrative that is. Acts 10, Cornelius and his house. Acts 11, the Hellenists at Antioch. Acts 13, the Gentiles. Thank God. Not just Acts 10, but that Redeemer again in Acts 13. Acts 16, Lydia, the Philippian jailer. Acts 17, Dionysus and, and, and Damaris. Acts 18, Crispus. Many of the Corinthians. Apollos, Acts 19. 25 of John's disciples in Ephesus. Chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. Mission, 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 mission. Our, probably one of our greatest problems is we got so excited about Acts 2, we hardly ever talk about anything else. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? So that I can tell everybody I got the ghost. Yeah, you got the Spirit of God so that you can tell everybody that you got it. If you cannot think of the last time you told a new person that you have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then I want you to hear me very clearly. It is your missional mandate as a child of God. It is. It is our missional mandate as a, chill, as a child of God. Acts 28, 28. Be it known, therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and watch this, that they will hear it. It all depends on emphasis, right? How you say it. Brother Tipsworth, if I read that and say, and they will hear it. Think about the context here. Why would I preach to the Gentiles? They will hear it. Put the emphasis on will. I don't really know. They're probably not going to listen. If you're led by God and God impresses you and you got the anointing of His Spirit empowering you, they will hear it. They will hear it. Some take longer to respond, but they will hear it. I'll tell you why I'm saying that because I need you to know our mission is not impossible. Our mission is not impossible. And while I thank God for two good services on Sunday night, I am far from satisfied with having good church. Come on now. How many, how many of you in here, you know that good church turns into great church when a bunch of people are filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, when they repent of their sins? That's how good church turns into great church. Where we know that not only are we rejoicing, but heaven is rejoicing. Slide four, we cannot, or point four, we cannot love God without loving His mission. This gets to the intricate details of the heart. We cannot love God without loving His mission. We can't fall into the deceptive and the dangerous trap of learning how to have, as I said, great church and forget to be the church. I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, I've met 
dozens along the way in young people, youth and parents, over 20 years of youth ministry that loved church more than they loved God. Brother Ross, it's just the truth. We can get to a place where we love church more than we love God, and we got to recalibrate. We do. we got to recalibrate. And I'm going to tell you the only way to do that is in prayer. Get close enough to hear the heartbeat of God. If you could get close enough to hear His heartbeat, if you could try to get like John and get close enough to hear His heartbeat, I believe that it beats in the rhythm of souls. That's, that's what I think. What happens here must translate into our daily lives. What happens in here? I love my church. I'm, I'm saying that for three weeks. Brother how I love my church, but what I experience here has to translate when I get outside of these four walls. Because if not, I become guilty of compartmentalizing my spiritual walk. I become someone here that I'm not out there. I shout in front of you, but I refuse to shout in front of anyone else. Which makes me beg the question, am I actually shouting for you or God? In a, in a book written to secular business leaders, Galen Walters, uh, who is actually an apostolic, very successful businessman, wrote the Bible study into his marvelous life. For anyone that's ever used that, several million have been printed around the world. But he wrote a book years ago called Equipped to Lead. In that book, there is this statement. The truth, the truth is that there is really only one profession. We have many talents and occupations, but we have one purpose and one calling, and that is to serve God by serving others. It's a great book. If you're in business at all or if you like leadership books, Equipped to Lead is a great book. No person is, ex is exempt. No person is excused from the mission of the church. Everybody repeat after me, I love my church. Because my church is on a mission. We're a part of the United Pentecostal Church International. So what is the mission statement of the UPCI as it were? And I, I recognize that it is an organization. It is not a church. But I do love the mission statement here. The whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. It is not simply a leadership responsibility. It is not simply a ministry responsibility. Thank God it is not just a pastoral responsibility. Well, I'm in the choir, so I probably got to work after a soul. Whether you're ever on the platform or never in your life on the platform, everybody that's a part of the church is meant to reach for souls. Some are more charismatic in their demeanor than others. They're more outgoing. Some of you are more introverted than others. Listen, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm just trying to share the Word of God. In whatever area it is, in whatever way that God allows, become a part of the process. Become a part of that missional process in reaching for souls. You know, Brother Carson, you don't understand my demeanor. I, that is, I, I break into a sweat just the thought of talking to somebody. The truth is, God will open a door in the comfortable scenario if you spend time in prayer about it. He'll open a door in such a way that it will become... I'm not, I'm not asking it to be comfortable. If it's comfortable, there's no faith needed. <laughs> if, there's, if it's too comfortable, then I don't even feel like I need God. I'm telling you, I want God scenarios. 
One of my favorite Bible studies was where I was, I'll never forget teaching a Bible study to Paul. The whole time I taught him a Bible study, Brother Massengale, he blew smoke back on me. The whole time. I thought, I'm going to walk into the church and everybody's going to think I'm the Marlboro man. But watching him, I'm telling you, this big old mountain of a man, watching him cry big tears, blow smoke, and then cry big tears. Something about that that I'm, I've got to be honest. I love preaching in this church, but there's something about that that this never does. Mm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. It's our mission. We have to be a mission-motivated, purpose-driven church. That's more than a book. I love my church because it's on a mission. Slide, or point five. Here's a few reasons to understand what the mission does or reasons that we need to understand the mission. It will eliminate confusion. If you understand the... What do we say? What do we talk about here? 99% of frustration comes from communication breakdown. It does, right? Expectation... Expectation without clearly understanding the mission or the purpose gets very frustrating. It eliminates confusion. It generates passion. And it determines direction. We've got to, one of my favorite illustrations from years ago, somebody was talking about, it was G.A. Mangan, I think, talking about the truth. And he was talking about our methods and the way that we reach and he said, here's kind of how I do it. He said, this is truth. He said, I get a really firm grip on truth. He said, and I reach as far as I can. Yeah, well, we've never done that before. It's okay. Yeah, but we never sang there. We never, I, I, never, I never preached that. I never went there. I never reached for them. It's okay. As long as we don't let go of truth. It's okay to try new things. Now listen, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to say, well, they were successful at drawing a crowd across town, so we'll let go of this a little bit. That's what we're not going to do. But let me tell you what we're also not going to do. We're also not going to think that we can love this without reaching for them. We can become so in love with what we think is the message that we don't even live the whole message. You can't love doctrine without loving souls. Ah, amen. So we hold to the truth, but we reach in new ways. Some of the things that we've had to do, Brother Sleva, you've probably had to do some different things along the way. Have you ever found out things don't work? You ever really think something was going to work and then found out that was a terrible idea? I've planned some events. Brother Guy, and I planned some stuff I thought was great. No way to go wrong. Horrible idea. Terrible. I don't know if I marketed it wrong. I don't know if it was just the, probably the execution. I don't know. Terrible. Nothing. Leave feeling like a failure. What do you do? i tell you what you do. You get your hand on truth and you reach for something else. You don't get down in the dumps. Ladies and gentlemen, what if anybody ever tried to reach out and they told you no? Who's ever, who's ever felt about this big when you tried to witness somebody? Anybody ever been through that? 
Come on, raise your hand just real proud. You're just a real proud reject. Come on. I've been rejected so many times. But I'm not done reaching. You know why? I'm glad he didn't stop reaching for me when I didn't respond the first time. That's the example we follow in this. But when I clearly understand the mission, so I need us to clearly understand, I think we do, we clearly understand the mission of Calvary Tabernacle when it comes to evangelism is we want everybody. The only people we want to reach for is the ones we think the Holy Ghost is big enough to take care of. You ought to turn to your neighbor and tell them through your mask if it could take care of you. <laughs> if, the, if the Holy Ghost could do something with you. Everybody, everybody, every walk of life, every social status, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm reaching for doctors, I'm reaching for lawyers, I'm reaching for business leaders, and I'm also reaching for people that are homeless, and I'm reaching... Why? Because He is reaching for everybody, so we've got to be reaching for everybody. We're a church on a mission. According to uh, slide 6, everything hangs on two commandments. According to Matthew 22 and 40... On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. 2237 there. Jump down. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What's that first call? It is the relationship between you and God. The second call can never be effective if the first call is not taken care of. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Well, I'm a soul winner, so I'm not a prayer warrior. Wrong. It's both. You can't be an effective soul winner without being a prayer warrior. But I'll tell you this too. If you're a prayer warrior, it'll make you be a soul winner. Ah, they work. They work together. Full Throttle by Benny and, and Teresa DeMerchant. I'll wrap up quickly. On October 29, 1965, a young North American couple in their mid-twenties invaded Manaus, Brazil. The city of 180 Brazilians took no note of these foreign folk who had spoke not a word of their language and who knew no one in the town. When the couple arrived, not, only, not one other person in the whole of the Amazon basin knew anything about the new birth message. Following a dream is rarely easy. Achieving it is hard work and never done accidentally. Following a calling to perform a missionary ministry seems an impossible task beyond imagination for most. However, Benny and Teresa DeMerchant, that thought, it never entered their minds that it was impossible. They accepted the challenge of evangelizing the immense Amazon basin of Brazil, South America. The DeMerchant struggled against witchcraft, demon possession, and undreamed of evil as they reached for the lost of that vast territory. They made headway with a very effective and anointed ministry opening churches and doing personal evangelism. However, they awakened one morning to the fact that if they trained 10 men who could in turn train 100 men, they could reach their impossible area of calling. Hear that again. They, they, they woke up 
and thought, if we can train ten men, who can each train ten men, we could multiply ourselves and reach this area. Over time, their students became teachers, pastors, evangelists, and missionaries uh, to their oncoming generation. Again, this is from their book, Full Throttle. Teresa, a concert pianist, and Benny, who could have enjoyed a lucrative life as a commercial pilot, traded the grand piano and earned wings for a Bible school and lectern. I traded in those wings for that Bible school lectern in a wooden pulpit to evangelize a people unto whom God had called them. From the cement sidewalks of the city, Manaus, to the depths of the streaming... I'm moved for even reading it. To think of going to a jungle trail. Imagine going somewhere where you can't speak the language. They go from a life of luxury here. Now they're in the streaming jungle trails accessible only by their She's for Christ float plane. That's a little shout out for SFC. Benny and Teresa effectively fulfilled their mission to reach the world with the gospel by reaching the world they were called to. Now listen, I'm going to tell you some stats here in a few minutes. And the truth is, we, we preach this big net, reach your world. I'm, what we're saying here, reach your world. Who you can reach after. We have a tendency to try to go after the masses that are nameless and not invite our neighbor to dinner. Today, the United States, or the United Pentecostal Church, excuse me, stands strong in the Amazon basin of all Brazil. It did not happen by just thinking about it, or even Brother Sleva just praying about it. Because at some point, we've got to put our prayers into action. And we've got to take the mission we've prayed about and put our feet to it. Today, over 1,300 UPC churches are in Brazil. 3,000 ministers, 140,000 saints, 124 Bible schools throughout the jungle basin. Why? Because a couple got a mission. It's his mission, and we're in love with his mission. They didn't get on the phone with everybody else and say, Hey, you got to go to the the jungle in Brazil. Because we all said, No, we'll just send some money. It wasn't that call for everyone. It was that call for them. And I'm not asking God to put that kind of burden on us. What I'm asking is God would let us see our neighborhoods in a new way. See the people around us in a new way. Missional living has kind of become a, a new term as of late. This, in Christianity as a whole, missional living, the adoption of posture and thinking and behaviors and practices. And Here's what it boils down to, ladies and gentlemen. Why do we have a youth ministry? Why do we have young adult ministry? Why do we have singles ministry, young marrieds ministry, seasoned marrieds ministry? Why are we putting new programs in place and you're starting to see announcements and why, why are we doing this? Because we want everybody. We want everybody and not just to be one. I want you to hear me very clearly. I believe in people coming in and repenting and being baptized. But baptizing them is not our success. Hear me. Baptism alone is not our success. Having someone receive the Holy Ghost, we rejoice, but that is not alone our success. We have to engraft them into the body and see them discipled. If we baptized 50 people last year and 49 of them are gone, we did not succeed. That is not success. 
spiritually that's like unto physically having uh, uh, having a child and then discarding it you wouldn't have a baby and put it in a nursery by itself and hope everything turns out okay pastor why are you so concerned with programs and structure and They'll tell you in the office, I I love structure and emails and folders and trying to put things in place. Why? I don't want any babies to die. I want to win new people, but then I want to see those new people plugged into programs. There's people here, there's so many people that have come up to me and talked to me and said, I can't wait to get plugged in somewhere, I want to do something. We need to have those places, as I talked in week one of this series, to have places to plug them in. But hear me, Calvary, it's not just for us. It's for the new people that we're winning. We're a missional church. And so those new people we're winning, all those new young married couples, we're going to, can't you? I cannot wait until at our young marriage event, we've got a whole slew of young marriage that are brand new to the church. And what connects them, Brother Anderson, it's the relational value with these other young married couples. And I know some were were wondering, why are we doing a young marriage and and why not? Listen, we're going to do every different segment. I'm just going to address this right now. I don't want to offend anybody. But a 25-year-old married couple and a 65-year-old married couple, they're not in the same place. Don't be offended. Either one of you. Okay? I'm one of the, I'm a young guy that I'm very comfortable with some of the elders. I love to sit down. I'm very comfortable. Elders, truth is, it ain't comfortable for you and it wouldn't be comfortable for them. The things you want to do are a little bit different. One of the first proposals I got for the young marriage event was to go axe throwing. Oh, there's so much room there. We got, we got to have places for everybody. We do. Nursery. Sunday school. Let me tell you, singles ministry is vital. It's critical. And there's different segments even within singles. Well, how many different groups are we going to have? As many as we can. Because right now, the current population, I just checked on the greater, I, I, don't, have, I, I don't have time, I'm going to stop. The notes are available, anybody that wants them. But the current greater metro area of Indianapolis is 1.8 million. I want them to come in. I want them to feel welcomed in. I want them to have somewhere to connect. I want them to repent. I want them to be baptized. I want them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I want them to have somewhere to fit into. And I'm going to tell you, I want them to have somewhere to serve. Absolutely. Everybody in this building, I want you to hear me. There's somewhere at Calvary you can serve. There's somewhere at Calvary. And your service to the church will help you feel more connected to the kingdom of God and the church as a whole. We need you. Yes, we need your tithes. Yes, we need your offerings. Your tithes is just you returning to God what's His. 
Your offerings are being honest about what He impresses on your heart to give. And you're sowing into the mission. But there's a lot of people that you're just looking for somewhere to get involved. And I'm going to tell you, there's enough places for everybody. In this fall, I haven't said this, I don't think, to the entire church yet, but I'll tell you what some of the leaders have already heard. This fall, we're going to have a ministry fair that's open to the entire church. Places for you to go around to every ministry that is existing and every ministry that's new. And you're going to have places to sign up and get involved in the church. Why? Because the harvest we're reaching for is going to take every hand. It's going to take every person. Stand with me. Hmm. Just put that seventh slide up there so I don't want anybody to feel like they got cheated. To love the message is to love the mission. Remember that famous, remember that, I'm like the old preacher that can't get stopped, Brother Gaggy. Remember that, remember that great parable where Jesus says, cast out into the deep? He went out and he says, go ahead and cast out. Peter toiled all night. He said, oh, I've toiled all night. You know, I don't feel like it really is what he was saying. But he goes anyway. Remember, remember Brother Sleva, the, the nets were so full that they called, Brother Myers, they called the other boat. That don't ever happen in business. I got so much work, I need you to take some. <laughs> no. So what happened? Maybe spoke to a little partnership between the vessels. I'm not sure exactly, but, but they come over and there was such a catch that it took more than just the hands that they had at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to reach Indianapolis and our communities around us, we got to get more hands involved. We've got to get more hands involved. If you love your church because it's a mission church, would you throw your hands towards heaven? Would you love Him for His Word? Come on, would you love Him for the opportunity to study Scripture together? Oh, I love this church. God, I love these people.